So so one team wins the national tournament. What's the other 67? They just can't get it done. Well, we all know that there's like really 25 or 30 teams that have a pretty good chance because they have the resources. That's why everybody jumps up and down about a, a Cinderella team that gets to the 16. It's they gave their best and they reached the heights that they could go, but they never yeah. are, are. We are living in an age where the standards of what success is are a joke. Welcome to Weary Dads. I'm your co-host, PJ. And I'm, I'm the other co-host, Dad. <laughs> you know, Pete. Pete, coach. Yeah, yeah, I don't even, no one calls me Pete. Coach Weary, honored to be here with my son. I mean that, bottom of my heart. And today we're going to talk about how do you handle a string or cycle of failures when you get stuck and it just seems like nothing's working. Um, and I think we all go through those times. Uh, not gonna lie, I'm probably gonna be a little low energy today just because uh, I was up really late last night and I just couldn't sleep because I had a lot on my mind. And I, I and I think a lot of it is fear that I have to deal with, and that fear is of uh, falling back into this kind of cycle. That's like when you asked what you wanted to talk about. This yeah. part I was thinking about. What um, you know? I don't know if we want to go Sigmund Freud on the um, on the podcast, but what were things that you'd be fearful about? Because this oh, is, the, I mean, you guys are starting this. You're not starting. Your business is rolling, but you're taking strides, and there's, we're taking risks. Yeah. yeah, and whenever you take risks, there's chance of what? There's there's chance of failure, and there's also chance of success. Yeah. Well, and that's uh, so. If you're not familiar with my story. Uh, I, Becky Sue and I, uh, I, I lost my job. I was laid off from teaching. And then for a year, I temped, uh, not even probably six months. Yeah. And then I made the decision. I actually had a chance to become a salesman at a roofing company, great roofing company, great people to work with, but I didn't think that's what I was meant to do. And so I taught myself to code. Um, and I looked at Becky Sue and I said, Hey, I have this job and I think instead I need to, I need to do this. I need to, uh, move into tech. I think that's going to be something I can do long-term. I just did not see myself, uh, working long-term and I, I think I didn't want to, I didn't want to create a, a, just a patch. I wanted a permanent solution. I wanted something that I would continue to do. And so I, saw myself doing tech for a long time, at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, we're now three years in and uh, worked at a digital marketing agency. Great guys. Did not work out. Um, that was that was a failure for me um, in some ways. It, uh, it wasn't so much, I, I don't think I like hardcore failed. It yeah, just I, really I, wasn't a good yeah, fit. Yeah, because I think you and I could disagree on that one. But, but it was, uh, and they, they were great guys, so it's not... Part it, of a process. Yeah, that was part of a process. But I think the important thing to note there is I still wasn't providing for my family. Like you wanted to. Well, I wasn't providing for my family. Like we, we didn't well, know where the rent money was coming from. Right. But <laughs> Becky had a job, right? Part-time. Part-time. But you, you were getting through it. 
No, we were we were going into debt. <laughs> well, you got through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, going into debt is a is a losing. Yeah. Anyways, so Becky, I I left. I went left from there. Uh, and Becky Sue lost her job at the same time, and so we started freelancing. And we realized we had an LLC to work with because I was subcontracting in the other place, and that is how Can Goat started, and. That uh, and and I'd love to talk about my experience with that, but just to give some context, I mean, there was a lot of failure uh, in a. I mean, yeah. I, so you, you folks can't see me. I'm, my face is squinting and stuff. I think it's a lot of process. Um, and so I'm going to jump in here if I sure. if you don't mind. I'm going to say yeah. it's something we heard all the time, but failure is never fatal. And failure is never final. Now, your mom caveat said that if you make a really bad decision, it could cost you your life. Drugs, things like that. We understand yeah. that. I, I would say I understand the drug one, but a car accident isn't uh, a failure. That's an accident, right? You know, I, I, but I mean, failure isn't in, in, in to me. Well, that's where I think the drug one, drugs right. plus car crash. Right. Okay. So um, there's a great book called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Literally, the, the challenges put before you, um, I think of what Edison said, what are you doing? You, you've tried this and it hasn't worked a thousand times. And he said, no, no, this is good. I found a thousand ways uh, not to do it. Yeah. And I think he had some successes. He's learned a thousand things that don't work. Right. And, and that's learning. Yeah. And, and so when I hear you... I want to say this, first of all, what was, and folks, this isn't like a personal testimony, but it is a story for you to deal with failure. What was, what was um, Becky's response when you told her, I don't want to take this job, which would have been, and I'm using the words lucrative, but it would have been a comfortable job, probably 80 to 100 a year. Uh, it was a sales job. Right. So the guy I was supposed to be his assistant for six months, yeah. and he was retiring. He was making 150 a year. Okay. But he was also working 70 hours a week, which right. is part and which, of... Which, let's be honest, then I think we're going to get into this, but we have to define what success is when you define failure, okay? so This what, is true. Right. So what, did, what was Becky's response when you said, I don't want to patch this. I don't think this is what... I am called to do, which when you have a walk with God and a heart and it's bent towards something, you don't want to. What was Becky's response? Did she look at you and go, what are you smoking? Or what did she? Uh, what it was, was hard. Her, was it <laughs> She's hard? Like, yeah, yeah, she was just like, uh, she didn't really argue with me. Uh, some that comes from her family background where uh, and there are a lot of strengths to her family background. But one thing is they, they when it comes to difficult and uh, conflicts. They won't express it, mm -hmm. um, especially if they're not willing to go the distance on it, if that makes sense. Like, if they're like, I'm definitely not going to do that, she'll talk about it. But if she's not sure, she just won't talk about it. Right. And so there was part of that. And I, so I asked her multiple times. I talked to her about it multiple times. And she's like, yeah, it's really hard, but I know your reasons. And I, so she I supported you, even though it was hard for her. Yeah. But it, yes, but it was hard for you to, cause you didn't feel like it was full support. No. But, well, uh, then I want you to stop there. Yeah. Did your wife support you through that? Yes. 
So yeah. I think as we talk about failure, one of the things that we have, it's imperative when we go through failure that we have a support system. We're going to deal today later on with another thing about love and community, and I think that's going to be really important. But when, when you're dealing with failure, one of the biggest challenges is that you don't feel the failure alone. Mm. Not that you have to push it off on something, but that you don't have a support system. And you did. Yeah, I really did. I mean, no, that's, you we still went, do. We went and stayed with you guys. Well, and that's yeah. another whole support system. And and um, we talked about this in the journey thing where I went and right. like literally that's what made this possible. At the time, it felt like failure, but it made, it's what made us living together possible. And that is where I believe we are sitting at a round table as a father and son talking about manhood. And, you know, it'd be, I don't want to get emotional. Maybe I do. But we get to do this together. It yeah. would not have happened if you took the roofing job. No. no. Okay. no. <laughs> Unless we could have put two mics on a roof somewhere in the middle of a popka. No. Here's what I want to say with this. Failure is not final. It's not fatal. And go back to that statement. I love Ryan Holiday's book, which is really a Marcus Aurelius' statement. Yeah, the stoicism. obstacle is the way. Yeah, It is part of the growth. You know where I could go with this? Olympics. <laughs> As we are sitting here in this room, I am literally bewildered that there were some people in America upset because the United States puts their medal count different because, in my opinion, this is how the Olympics post it, by golds first, not by total medals. Right. And I'm not going to lose sleep either way. But what I do want to say, if you make the Olympics, you're pretty darn good. Even if you don't win a medal. So really, what is failure? That is where we got to define success. Failure is giving your best and pouring your heart into it and achieving all you can. And sometimes, okay, folks, you don't win. You don't, you don't get the bronze, even. Well, yeah. yeah. And if you do get the bronze, there were people like, oh, like the girl from um, Wisconsin, which, you know, obviously that was a string in our hearts because we lived there for a while, that came in third in regards to the uh, marathon. What an accomplishment. Oh, darn. I'm only the third fastest person in the world. Uh, in a marathon. <laughs> First of all, everybody that runs 26 miles... I all know this, 26.2. Everybody that runs that should get a gold medal <laughs> and an ice bath and a masseuse and a bunch of other stuff. What is wrong with us when we, uh, I just sit in, there are 68 teams in the NCAA tournament. By the standard set by the media, how many are successful, PJ? I mean, just the one who wins the gold, right? But. So so one team wins the national tournament. What's the other 67? They just can't get it done. Well, we all know that there's like really 25 or 30 teams that have a pretty good chance because they have the resources. That's why everybody jumps up and down about a, a Cinderella team that gets the 16. It's they gave their best and they reached the heights that they could go, but they never yeah. are, are. We are living in an age where... The standards, and somebody would say, you need to set your standards higher, Pete. Well, thank you very much. And I could discuss <laughs> that with them. But 
the standards of what success is are a joke. If I don't, okay, Tesla, Amazon, every other company's not getting it done. No, because we all know this too. Do you know any people that make a lot of money that do not have an enriched family because they're too busy to be with their family? Right. Well, that that's the 70 hours thing, right? That's part of the reason I was like, I'm not, I, I couldn't, I couldn't see myself being excited to get up, to go to work in the morning to sell roofs. And I couldn't see myself excited to get up in the morning to go sell roofs for 70 hours a week. I mean, you're talking like working weekends, all that. Um, something I think to give a little bit more context for where I was thinking, and mm. I, I love where you've taken this, but, uh, I, I didn't want to call this depression because I didn't want one. I'm not a psychiatrist, right? And there's there's differing forms of that sort of thing. But uh, I was I was in a place I hadn't been for a long time last night in fear, and I realized, especially for men, and I know that this is different. Um, I saw t- uh, <laughs> I saw TikTok the other day. It was actually from an article. It wasn't on TikTok, which is you know I don't know. The whole thing is kind of funny, but um, it was uh, a 23 year old saying, "Why can't we want to ha- own a house at 23?" That was the experience of most generations before us, and. And I think, like, I think maybe before, maybe before you, but when you talk about, like, coming out of, the, like, the army and that sort of thing, like, a lot of people, it just, like, it's definitely, literally, I think, like, there's two and a half times in terms of income to to housing price. Like, it's definitely harder to own a home now, whether it's 23 or not. And one, we need to adjust our standards of success for that. But I know when I talk to other guys my age, they saw a certain standard set for them by their parents of what providing looked like. Uh, Even like, you know, for a long time, you guys were single income, single income and a half. And then most generation, well, most of my generation have to be dual income. And so that there's this pressure and I, a lot of guys I talk to feel like they can't get out. They feel like they can't get ahead and they feel, um, they feel weighted by failure. And so what does it look like to create, um, a success mindset? What does it look like? And some of it is even what you've talked about with, um, uh, the Tom Edison's like, I found different ways to fail. But people don't do that. And what I see a lot of times is uh, one of the things that I wanted to address, and I, I love you brought up Thomas Edison, is, uh, sorry, I just realized I thought I had my notebook. I have it right here, uh, is how important it is to experiment, to endlessly experiment in small ways and um, until you find something that works and then you, you work on that until it works. And you and you keep one of the best things you can do is to is to try stuff until you find something that works, and then create a string of successes, even if it ends up failing in the long run. I, it was so important for me to create, um, to to find what worked, and then to keep finding what worked, if that makes sense. Because what it did for my mindset. Yeah, so I'm going to jump in here and say, well, first of all, the standards that have been set for you guys are borderline unrealistic. 
I okay. would say borderline. They are unrealistic. Okay, right? so so we didn't own our first home until we were 35, 36. Our house cost us, I think, 67000 in <laughs> South Bend. Well, yeah, we yeah, laugh. Yeah. I bet you right, those right, houses right. are 150 now. Yeah, they're, they're not, not bad. They're but, like, they're, well, not whatever not bad is. Okay. Yeah. I mean, compared um, to Orlando area, oh, which is right. nuts. I mean, we're living in Mishawaka, Indiana. Okay. Well, literally, so if you're saying it's 150 there. Yeah. In the last six months, our house here has climbed the same amount of money as it has in the last 20 right. years. <laughs> right. What, 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 it, what our house is worth as we bought it in two months. And by the way, folks, we're not moving just because we can make a little money because we also know we'd have to buy something else and I don't want to move. But but there, there's a whole discussion here of like what we we deserve. I, I think we got to go yeah. back to, I think we got to go back to even that, and I might have mentioned this in a previous podcast, but at one point there I'm reading in... Uh, or what we have to provide. Right. Well, Comer's book um, about ruthless elimination. We're the top twenty percent, or maybe it's greater oh, than it's that. High, yeah, yeah, uh, in the world in regards to what we have. Like your mom and I went to lunch today. There are people that are hoping to get a meal. Like, yeah. And so when I hear somebody say, "Well, I deserve a house," well, the truth is too. What kind of houses did they have? Yeah. 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 Okay. What. How much did they do of building it? You know, your uh, step-grandfather, a.k.a. Ken Turn, who we should get on the podcast sometimes. Absolutely. We changed the rating. All right. Um, <laughs> but if we got Grandpa on here. He built, like, cottages in Richmond, Mass. I think they cost him six, $7,000, right? And then they're worth half a million now. But when he first built them, they weren't worth that much. The materials weren't. And, you know, everybody wants something more. Something bigger. We also have more things to buy now. Yeah, I mean, smartphones are expensive. Right. So, how much was the? Our, you know, I don't know what your smartphone bill is, but ours isn't cheap, right? Yeah. And um, I think that each of us has to look at it and, and, and always quantify and qualify. How does this really work? And I think we need to sit back and say, and, and I want to say this. One quote I've always heard, and I really believe, success is finding God's will and doing it. All right? I think that's what true success is. Like, all mm. right, do, would somebody say that, you know, we could have kept the house, and I know I jumped, so let me say this again, folks. Some people would say that Lisa and I are unbelievably successful, and some might not think we are. Yeah. This is where they might not. You don't even own your house. You live in an in-law suite of 700 square feet. Yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> and it's easy to clean. But anyhow, uh, we could have stayed in that house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the truth is, you could have probably bought this house without us. Yeah. There, there's, I mean, you're... Well, but, we would have waited two years. Yeah, well, but yeah. Well, I, maybe you couldn't have waited two years. You would have maybe had to pull the plug. Cause <laughs> well, we going. would have gone. We, we could have bought a 3-2. We didn't yeah. need a house this right. big without you guys. But, yeah. but this makes... And here we sit in an office able to serve God together. I think we just need to qualify what true success is, and I believe it is finding what God has for us. I, we, I, you know, when some of the best housing we ever had was the duplex yeah. in Wisconsin. Yeah. Somebody mowed our lawn, took care of those things. It was great. We had more than enough room, more than enough room. Great memories there. Success isn't in things. Well, and I have that. So, like, when you're endlessly experimenting, the danger is is that you lose 
is because you're constantly experimenting, it's easy to lose sight of what you're aiming for. So you have to keep your purpose clear. And that's what, and that just to agree with you, right? Like you, you have to, you have to keep in mind what's important to you. Um, and for me, the danger is it could become, you know, I, I could become creature comforts. It could become my espresso machine or <laughs> which let's speak. Let's okay. So you guys got that for your 10th anniversary. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't a cause. Do you, is it one of your perks in life? Do you love it? Oh man, it's so much fun! Yeah, he yeah. actually made one for our neighbor who's English, and he pretty particular, and he loved it. So I, I, I say all that. William Carey, seven years, zero salvations. What would believers say? What would the world say? What would people supporting him say? He, we're done. Well, and see, that's the frustrating thing is. Then we, because of the way Western society has developed, we want to quantify things. And so the church got swept up in quantifying things and putting things into numbers. And uh, I love, uh, I think I've mentioned him on this podcast before, but uh, Pastor Case at my old church, uh, they called it nickels and noses. Uh, you know, money and how many, how many butts in the pew. And the thing about that is... I think what, it was noses in the pew, but... Nickels and noses? Yeah, I said nickels and noses. You yeah. said but butts in the pew. I'm confused with nose and butts. Just leave it. The number of people. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Um, but the thing about it is uh, so many churches have pursued that. And that's when they, when Pastor Swanson first took over the church, that's the way the church operated. After all, it's like, it's not working. It's not working. Like, it's not... It's not the church's purpose, and we aren't accomplishing our purpose. I think that I think that nickels and noses mindset is the reason why so many kids leave the church. Well, because they know the only reason that they matter is is if they show up and they give their check. And well, there's so many other places you can do that and get a better experience than church. And by that, I mean experience, whatever, like, yeah. whatever entertainment, because that's what it became. Well, comparing ourselves among ourselves, we're not wise. Comparison is a thief of joy. Uh, what are we like with other churches? Do what God's called you to do. Uh, moreover, it's required in servants, stewards, is to be faithful. Yeah. Never says moreover it's required in stewards, and I would say this to kids all the time. It, moreover, it's uh, never it's to one be of my successful. Things you say. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Right. But moreover, it's required to be successful. That's not true. That's not what it is. No, and and that's why you know sometimes, and that's why I meant about quantify. What is true success? It, you know, there are people that, and by the way, I shake in my my own mind in this. Have I really been successful? You know, has Pete Weary been, and you know what, when I have a young man reach out to me and say, I am in the midst of spiritual warfare and I did a basketball camp and I never stayed in touch with that, but he reached out to me somewhere, somewhere along the line is he felt like I cared. Yeah. Okay. That for me is a win. And, yeah. And people are wins. Yeah. <laughs> people are wins. If you guys never get to a point where you feel like you should be with the company, but your two boys know they're loved and walk with God, boom, boom, 
Yeah. Well, and I think, so kind of like I had four main points. And so we talked about three of them because what I, I was describing a particular feeling in my head where just like failure after failure, where uh, I was trying to do something, it didn't work. I was trying to do something, it didn't work. And I was, it was basic things attached to my manhood, which was providing for my family. Right, right. And so the thing that I didn't mention is at the beginning, and that's faith. And I started to understand that I had to believe that God had a plan and that he had a plan that even if I didn't know what it was, it was going to work out. And so that was the start. And that gives you the impetus to, for me, it was from there. It's like, okay, I'm going to try things because if it's not working, you have to try something different, right? That's the, and then from there, once you, once you find some success, you keep pursuing that and you, and you make sure, and, and you can create a string of successes that makes all the difference in the world. I can't tell you what it's like to go from like losing and missing a lot of things. And, you know, this reminds me of Abraham Lincoln's story, right? Failed, failed, failed. And then all of a sudden you, you, if you keep pushing, eventually something will, will work. And then you can chase that, pursue that. But the whole time you have to keep what your faith was aiming towards. And that's your purpose and your vision. And so for me, like if I had to explain to someone in my, in, I don't know, I was thinking about what would I want to share about manhood? And that was something very personal and very powerful mm. for me. And understandably so. There's a great book that your brother, uh, my brother-in-law, your uncle, Lenny Parker, um, said, hey, Pete, you ought to read this book, Range, by David Epstein. It's basically... Oh, I've seen you read yeah, that. Uh, it's a, basically a book about don't be a uh, person of limitation and do only one thing. It goes back to kids playing only basketball or only soccer or whatever. Kids only doing the violin. No. Try numerous different things. And uh, they use the illustration of Tiger Woods and some of the emotional trauma probably because this is all he did. Mm -hmm. And Roger Federer was probably the greatest, one of the greatest tennis players, top five, whatever. Yeah. He did everything. And finally, when he was 15 or 16, he found his niche. Yes. In but that's athletically. Business-wise, golly, you, you do studies and people until their 30s and 40s, if you look at stem starting businesses, like five, six, seven of those fail until they get to that point, And then the next thing you know, they're the next hot take. Yeah. But that failure is what got it there. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, if something you mentioned there is like keeping the experimentation cheap in time and effort and money, right? Like, I'm not saying like dump a million dollars into something that's not working, uh, unless you have a million dollars to burn. But um, PJ, I know you had an agenda here. Yeah, like you had some things, but I'm going to ask you this. Go for it. Do you feel like Candid Goat has turned a corner? Yeah, it's turned a corner a while ago. Right. Are you guys financially? in a better spot than you were five years ago, even when you were teaching. Yeah. Had a, no, this is the best we've ever been financially. How much fun was it going through all that process? It, when we turned the corner, it was the most amazing thing in the world. <laughs> the reason it was the most amazing thing in the world is because yeah. it was so hard before right. that. Right, 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 right. No, that's so what I'm trying I'm to do. I'm going to throw yeah. this out. I, I, well, actually, me. I will say this. 
there was there was turning a corner financially, and there were there was a couple moments before we turned the corner financially, and we weren't real still like we only made, mm-hmm. I think we only made like ten or twelve thousand dollars our first year. We did not do well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, I knew it would only take a matter of time, and when I saw it work, yeah, you, you know, I was like, oh, this is going to happen again. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, I do because and you called me. Yeah. You yeah, say, hey, yeah. Dad, we just got a client. This is where we're at. Yeah. This is what's happening. I think we're going to, the the relief, the joy, the emotions. And I'm, I want to say this, and I really don't want this to be about me, but it's really true. Okay. I'm working with nations of coaches now. I support coaches and yeah. athletes. It's the greatest job in the world. I was, all the other things that I did prepared me for this. But my last year coaching, and you know this. Regional Coach of the Year, National Coach of the Year, folks, NCCAAD2, <laughs> it doesn't get any lower. At that point, like 55 schools. The year before, we lost eight games in a row. Yeah. Four of those by less than five points. Yeah. Will we ever win again? Can I, do I even know what I'm doing? Why am I coaching? I suck. Yeah. What is wrong with me? Yeah, I just talked to a coach today, and I asked him, "How well? How do you know more basketball than me?" He goes, "Well, I said no. I'm asking you. This guy is coached at the highest level." He said, "Yes." Do I know more Bible than you? And he goes, "Yes." Right, because I spent time doing that too. Right, a kind of yeah. mixed metaphor there of like, no, no, no. And he, I said, "So let's go together." It's it's the journey, and, yeah. and we don't want to. But failure was part of my growth. Yeah. And what I'm hearing from you, and I'd love to even end on this, is you need to keep your purpose full. And by that, I mean keep it uh, sometimes like a, a way of going against this kind of quantifying where it's just nickels and noses for your church is uh, a, a thick distri- description versus a thin description. And so even as we're talking about like there are guys who had th- what we would consider success because the description is thin. And it's the worst, uh, you know, I think we met, you've mentioned it on here before, uh, guy wins uh, national championship, and he's it's the worst year of his life, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and that's because his description, his purpose was too thin. Because it can't just be, I just need this one benchmark. It has to be a vision, a fully fleshed out thing, what you're trying to do. that's the thickness. That's a thickness. And one of the things is I'll tell you, and we're going to talk about this in the next coming, the thickness of relationships is way more important than the thickness of a dollar bill. Yeah, dollar bills are thin. They are thin. <laughs> they are thin. And somebody would say, would you rather have a million dollars or your marriage? I hesitated. (laughs) I'm going to be real honest with you folks. That one's not hard for me because I've seen people go through broken relationships. Not just in in marriage, but in other. And so, again, what is success? And by the way, failure is not fatal and failure is not final. Yeah. You know? It's good. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome, son. Great time. Great time.